about one of the, the most important, one of the most significant core values of a church community. Uh, we're talking about how we are asking God to renew us as a church community and how we're asking God to give us a fresh start. And it's, it's very timely. It, it, this is appropriate for us collectively as a church. And it, it is absolutely relevant for us individually right now uh, to have a commitment, a renewal of commitment is something that has great value to it. I know some people say, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Well, I, I would dare to say if you don't, you're probably not changing much in your life. You're getting stuck in a rut. But we're talking about, on Sunday, our rebirth as a church and how we as a community of believers are asking God to renew us and for us to be reborn as the Connect Church. Now, you notice it, it's on the graphic in front of you, this series, as Pastor Jay said, is called Christ Community Purpose. Because anytime you see Connect Church out on the sign, uh, anytime we describe our church, we are going to be certain that we define what we're talking about when we say Connect Church. We want to connect personally to Christ in worship. We want to help connect others to Christ. We want to connect in community with one another. We, according to Scripture, are supposed to love one another. And we also want to connect with our community at large because the Bible is very clear describing the church. Yes, we are supposed to be united. Uh, sounds like a contradiction here, but we are also supposed to be scattered United to scatter. We're supposed to get out and do what God's called us to do, and that is to be the church. But ultimately, if you've connected to Christ, if you're growing in your faith by connecting to community, you can connect to the purpose for which God has created you and designed you. And that's, that's a profoundly important uh, issue that all of us should grapple with on a continuing basis. We should be certain, no matter what the season is in our life. If you're young, a lot of people say, well, when you're young, you know, you got to grapple with, you know, who am I? Why am I here? What was I shaped to do? What's my purpose? And, and certainly that makes sense. What college do I go to? Do I go to college? Do I, do I prepare for a trade? There, there's just so many questions that just flood into our minds in our youth. But sometimes we make the mistake of not, re-asking the same questions as we go through the different seasons of life. I know Kathy and I, before we came here, uh, this is our 13th year, we were asking ourselves the question, what does God want for us now, this season of our life? And we felt very clearly that this radical move uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, where I was working with a, a national group helping churches and coaching pastors, I really felt like God was leading me to come and be a part of this community and this particular church. And so the Akron Baptist Temple, uh, a legacy church, a church that's been around for a, a long time, uh, had been going through some challenging times, decline and uh, 
all kinds of difficulties. In fact, I was told immediately, one of the first things I was told is that the church they had projected would probably close its doors within five years because of the trajectory and the decline. And so God called us here. You say, well, Ed, that's kind of dumb. Why did you do that? That's like signing on to, to captain the Titanic after it hit an iceberg. When the truth is, if God calls you to do something, even if it's not easy, uh, nor maybe it doesn't look like the outcome uh, will be what we all want to be a part of, if God's called you to do it, there's an outcome that defies logic. And what God has called us to do in our rebirth, becoming Connect Church, is off the charts a journey and an adventure of faith. And you guys are a part of it. I uh, spent some time this weekend. There were two of our longtime members of the Akron Baptist Temple who uh, were very close uh, to meeting their maker, uh, very close to death. Uh, one... Uh, the dear man, Bob Gorham, who I just love so much. He, he just has always had such, in any of our conversations, a positive look on life. Uh, had raised his family and lived a long life. And, and all he wanted was to get out of the hospice so he could go home. He wanted to go home to heaven from his home here on, on this earth. And he got his wish. They took him home, put him in a bed, and 24 hours later, he was home with the Lord. He got his wish. We all don't get to pick when and where, but he, he did get his hoped-for desire. Uh, there's a, another one of our members, and I'm sharing these stories with you because it, there's something very significant to this. There, when you're part of a church that's nearly 80 years old, you you don't have a lot, if any, charter members left. Now, here in a few weeks, we're going to sign a charter, a church covenant. Uh, the material we're covering, covering in January and February define who we are. I'm, I'm big on looking before you leap. And, and so we're going to give you a chance to sign the church covenant, the charter, which will give you a chance to be able to to be a part of the rebirth of our church. And in, in a lifetime, very few people get a chance to be a part of a, a new beginning of a church, a new church. And our last charter member, going back to the very beginning, went home to be with the Lord this morning as we were beginning our first hour service. Uh, her name is Ernie McGill. Visited with her many, many times. Visited with her, had prayer with her this last week. But here in 2019, the year that this church is being reborn, the last of our original members is now in heaven. And, and, and I find that not just remarkable, but in a way symbolic. This year is a new beginning for us. And I hope it will be in your life. Because everybody here battles stuff, has struggles, has temptations, has things to overcome. You can draw from these principles we're talking about, which affect us collectively. We're talking about connect church, Christ, community, and purpose. But these same ideas can be translated to your life and what you're dealing with and the season you're in. One thing I've learned about life <laughs> that is constant is the word change. 
that kind of, again, a little contradiction there. But we are constantly changing. Change is a part of life. And, and so we want to define who we are because those of us who sign the church covenant, Connect Church Covenant, uh, we want to make sure that all who follow us, those who are new, whether they are new to the faith, they have recently been born again, or if they come to us, maybe God leads them to us uh, from someplace. They've moved here, uh, possibly from El Paso, Texas, or who knows, and they've come, and they want to be a part of Connect Church. The material we're covering January and February is the same material that they will cover, cover in a class we're going to call Connect 101. Connect 101. Because we want to make sure that everybody moving forward has seen the same core values. Now last week we began by talking about our focus. Let's, let's just remind ourselves this is absolutely imperative to understand what Connect Church is all about. You've got to stand, understand our focus, that there are certain things that connect us and unite us. And we will focus on the things that connect and unite us rather than the things that divide us. I find it remarkable in human relationships how we are just so prone to see the things we disagree on rather than making a list of the things we agree on. And so last week we talked about that at, at, at great length. In other words, I state it again. We are going to make sure that Connect Church is defined by what we're for, the things that unite us, and not so much the things that we are against that divide us. You remember last week we talked about the, the beautiful example of the sequoia trees? You remember that last week? How many of you can remember? Oh, seven days ago. Okay. If you were not here, uh, this, the giant sequoias are really a remarkable uh, feat of God's creation. And, and, and it, it, it just befuddles people how they remain standing when the winds blow and the storms blow. Well, obviously they have roots and those roots go deep. They go down. But in addition to that, they do something unique to sequoia trees. And this is why you will only see them in groves. They can't make it on their own. They spread out and they interlock together with the roots of other sequoia trees. And we talked about last week how important it is that we as church community, and we're going to talk about church community next week, but I, I really think it's important that we state and restate this. We talked about this last week, that this is a great example of how we need each other to hold up to the storms of life. And, and, and now, one last, just recall from last week, this great passage from Jeremiah. We're going to put that up. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to launch out into just a couple of thoughts about Christ, community, and purpose. Jeremiah 17.8 uses the example of a tree, talking about God's children, the righteous. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep and into the water. Such trees are not injured by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. This is something I hope that all of us strive for, to have deep roots, deep roots in our relationships. Our, our marriages are built 
upon deep intimacy, that we know each other, that we love each other. Uh, our parenting uh, our parenting has to have a, a depth to it. It's not, you know, you know I kid it. I've, I've made a few jokes over the years about, you know, I was the oldest of, of uh, five, actually six children. Our youngest died very young. But the, when you were the oldest of that, you, you kind of went your own way as others, you know, came along behind you. And literally, when I went off to college, I forgot something. I got less than five minutes away. I turned around my 64 and a half Mustang, uh, drove back in the driveway, and when I went inside the house, they had already taken apart my bed because there were three boys in one room. They had already taken it aside, and they actually had a big black garbage bag. They, th they were throwing away my stuff they didn't want. And I thought, wow, how quickly did that happen? And I got in the car, and as I drove away, I, I, never, I, I never went back home. I mean, they'd taken my bed apart. Why would I want to go? But the truth is, I often have joked and said, you know, I did not grow with a lot of, grow up with a lot of, of intimacy and personal touch. And we used to say in the joke in our family is mom fed us with a slingshot because, you know, she just didn't have enough time for individual hugs. But the truth is we have to take time for intimacy in our relationships and in church community. And we've got to grow deep in our intimacy. That's the kind of person I want to be. That, that's the kind of church I want us to become. And I hope we will be. So today, we're going to get started talking about the passion that we should have for Jesus Christ. Our passion for Christ. This, if you were to go to, and I hope you have, don't do it right now. But if you go to the connectchurch.xyz webpage, you'll see something that defines and describes who we are. Here's what it says. It's not on the screen. You can look this up later. It says, Connect Church is founded on and connected to Jesus Christ. It's founded upon, here we go, we got it on the screen, and connected to Jesus Christ. Our passion is to make Christ first, and connect to him in everything. Our passion. You know, there's, there's a great deal of difference between knowing about Jesus up here. You know, I know a lot about him. And the difference between having passion here in your heart that impacts your life. So today, we're going to talk about our relationship with Jesus Christ and how it's the foundation of everything. And how Connect Church will exist for the sole purpose it will be our passion to make Christ first. This is the first of the pillars that we're going to build a church community upon. Because if we are not connected to him in everything, nothing else really matters. So number one, write this down if you're following along in your notes. Our faith in Christ is the only way we can experience true freedom. Our faith in Christ is the only way. There is no other way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Nobody can come to God the Father, Jesus said, but by me. And, and, and I know that in our society, and I believe in, in the, the basic tenets of pluralism and diversity, don't get me wrong. 
We are to love all people. That's God's plan. But in the issue of our relationship with God, our creator established a singular way to have a relationship with him. Our faith in Christ is the only way. Circle the words only way. There's just not many different ways. We're all going to the same place. That sounds good. But God established a single way back to him. And and there, there is a continuous theme throughout scripture about what we are and who we are before we have a relationship with God. And it spells it out many different ways. It says that we're estranged from him, we're far away from him. But it, it, there's a, a reoccurring idea that is in scripture time and time again. Until we put faith in Christ, we are not free. We are slaves to sin. Now, I, I, I'm a big fan of... of uh, any program that will help someone overcome an addiction. But ultimately, at, at the end of the day, there's truth. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes we go, oh, that's just an excuse that you're powerless to overcome something. No, no, there are addictions. There are things in life that own us, control us, and we are powerless to beat them without help. But those of us who are followers of Christ know that the greatest of all help comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ and that is the only way to experience true freedom. There, there is no, no better way. Some, of the, some programs and, and different, I, I never put down anybody who's trying to help somebody else. But if you want to help permanently, you want to help in a lasting way, then invest your life and helping people find faith in Christ. That's what Connect Church is going to be all about. And so as I look at human history, I see this example, uh, just this tragic reoccurring event, this condition called slavery, where one human overpowers another human and forces them to be a servant and and forces them to work for them. It's a corrupting thing. It corrupts both the slave owner and it breaks the heart and oftentimes breaks the will of the person who has been captured, the person who has been beaten down. And when scripture wanted to describe the awful condition of not having faith in Christ, it took a very real visual and common experience that the ancient world, you see that this, these passages, mostly we're going to read today from the New Testament, date back 2,000 years. Rome, the Roman Empire, they were the big dog. They controlled the world. In fact, it was said all roads lead to Rome. And it was both bad and good. It was bad because their army could move and conquer at will. But later as the gospel, the good news about Jesus came along, it was the very same roads that took conquering armies, that took missionaries who went around the world and told the good news about Jesus. And in one generation, those people were described as having turned the world upside down. Now, if they turn it upside down, I think it's, it's pretty upside down right now. There's so many crazy things going on. 
I'd, I'd like to say the mission of Connect Church is turn it right side up. I'd like to get the good news out. And our faith in Christ is the only way. We can't compromise on that message. Just to make someone happy, we say, okay, golly, shucks, it's okay. You can, you can, you know, many a Buddha's okay, he's cool. But, but the truth is, and, and this is not to put down anyone else. Our job is not to discredit or disavow what someone else believes. It's simply to tell them about Jesus and let the merit of that message carry the day because the God of this universe who created us all walks about this planet still in the form of his Holy Spirit who convicts people's hearts. So if our words are true, God's Spirit can press them on the heart of someone and they can hear in their heart, deep in their soul, that what we're saying is true. But if we're not willing to speak it, how will they ever, ever, ever hear? Let me look at a couple of verses here. Let's go right to our first couple of verses. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is inclusive. You want the most amazing, inclusive message of all history. It is You can be right with God. You, we are born sinners, separated from God. It's our Adamic nature. It's our nature. I can prove that to you because I can take you down right now to our kids' department, down to the twos. And the teachers are not down there giving those kids lessons on how to lie. They learn how to do that because they're related to you and to me. And we are sinners by birth. You never have to teach a child to do the wrong thing. It is their nature. It is the, called the sin nature, theologically, the Adamic nature. The only way to be made right with God is faith in Christ. Next verse, Galatians chapter 3.22. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. This is so exciting when you drill down on it. The scriptures, God's word, preserved. How does God speak to us? He's preserved this book. 66 individual books written by over 40 human authors. Some of them wrote more than one. Inspired by God, it's like God dictated it to human authors. And they wrote down his love letter for us. And here's what he promises. We... We can have freedom, but only by believing in Jesus Christ. It is exclusive to Christ. And so moving forward, let me kind of come back to, to this whole idea of a church community and kind of imprinting our DNA here. Christ, community, purpose. This material we're covering here in the next few weeks through January and February is really going to be extrapolated from... Our, our class called Connect 101, so that all new members who come, whether they are new in the faith, only saved a few days, or if they come to us having been saved from maybe long, far away, we will have them cover the same material so that we always remain united in our common view of who Christ is. Uh, that's why I wanted to shoot up there on the screen here. I'm not going to read this statement of faith in its entirety here, obviously. But in our new member class, Connect 101, 
we're going to put forth a statement about our passion for Christ. And, and we break it down into a number of, of areas. But uh, I just want you to know it's really important. We're going to put this in your hands before we sign our charter. But we're going to talk about how Jesus, how we passionately believe that the Lord Jesus died for our sins. We're going to cover this material in great length. We're going to cover the virgin birth, the return of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to do that all now on a Sunday morning, but we're going to make sure that every one of us have this material and all who moving forward become a part of our family, except the fact that Jesus Christ is the pillar of Connect Church. And so we've chosen this phrase, passionate. We passionately believe because it signifies we have something more than just a head knowledge, uh, knowledge about Jesus. We have him in our heart. We know Jesus. And, and that's why I want to immediately take you to number two. Let's shift gear. Number two, our relationship with Christ unites and unifies us and makes us one passionate community. It's our relationship with Christ. It unifies us. It, it defines us. Just like a family has a common DNA. How many have ever been to a family reunion? Would you wave your hand? Okay. I, I, I marvel. I've, I've been asked as a guest of friends to be there or pass through a, a family reunion. And as a pastor, sometimes I will go. But I, I always marvel as I walk into somebody's family reunion. I see all these people I've never met before. And, and I, it's just crazy how they all look alike in some way. And, and that's because the DNA, the common DNA, and that's become a big fad thing now. We, we're trying to figure out where we all came from. And literally tens of thousands, millions of DNA kits are, are out there now. I've done one myself. And yet the, the truth is there's a DNA that is more powerful and more important than our human DNA. It, it is a DNA that's supposed to make us look alike, act alike, behave alike. It is, is our faith DNA. Our relationship with Christ is what gives us a common DNA. It unifies us. It makes us a passionate community. Let's look at the next scripture from the book of Galatians chapter 3. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now you're, you're hearing this and going, cool, okay. Those, those issues are still with us today. But I just want to take you back 2,000 years ago without getting sidetracked too much and giving you too much history here. But women, neither male nor female. Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, says, time out, everything we know about culture, everything we know about gender, throw it out. As far as God is concerned, there is no longer, no longer male or female. You see, because in the time of Roman rule, Women were not seen as people. They were seen as a possession. And, and they could be put out of their home with nothing but the shirt they had on their back. You say, is it really that much different today? Oh, yeah, we've got, trust me. This was awful. This was, this was beyond what we can comprehend. And it was done. Uh, you were the possession of your father until you got married, and then you became the possession of your husband. 
And that sounds crazy to us, but can you imagine how radical it was when Paul said, according to God, through faith in Christ, we're the same. Gender doesn't matter. And it's funny how it is human nature to abuse one another, either through slavery or gender, but it has been, as bad as it has been, and the things we've seen that have happened and come out in recent years and even months, and the terrible abuse we have for one another, it was actually worse at one time, especially under the Roman Empire. In fact, I saw, I'd forgot about this, but there were no women in the Senate. There were no women involved in any way in leadership. And, and so they, they did come up with a, a small group of women that they allowed to be a part of a, a council just a handful of them, I think, if I remember correctly, there were five of them. And, and if their advice that they gave didn't work out, now they didn't do this with the guys, but if their advice didn't work out, it was not uncommon for them to bury them alive and kill them. So there was such a different view of gender. Do you understand that? And so radically, Jesus comes along and says, no, that was never my intention. That's your rotten, Adamic nature. But Paul, put it this way, you're all children of God. Slave or free? I, I, I know that we enslave people today in economic ways, but I, I'm talking real hardcore slavery. Beat somebody if, you, if they don't do exactly what you want. Jesus came along and said, no longer. Race, Jew or Gentile, we can translate that, translate that today. Jesus is the common denominator that unites all people and all genders and all social uh, status that we are familiar with, no longer defined by race or gender. I, uh, I saw something pretty cool just in the last few days, and I thought I'd share it with you today because we have so many different ways we identify ourselves things that make us unique and, you, you know, we dress a certain way or we like certain teams. But I, I love what I, I heard in an interview from a young man, 19 years old, named Trevor Lawrence. Now, if you watch the National Football College Championship game, you saw this 19-year-old uh, true freshman quarterback for Clemson lead his team to the National Championship. When he was asked, hey, Trevor, how do you handle the pressure as a 19-year-old? I, I love what this young man had to say. He said, and I quote, football is important to me, but it's not my life. I mean, can you imagine you just won the national championship? It's not the biggest thing in my life. I would say my faith is. He then added, he said, I put my identity in what Christ says, who he thinks I am and who I know that he says, I am. And the thought I want to leave with us today is we talk about Christ's community purpose. And we talk about Connect Church identifying itself with the truth of God's word, these three pillars, Christ's community purpose, that will support us as a church, that will give us a common thing to agree on. It's got to start with Christ. Our relationship with Christ has to be the thing that we're passionate about, that identifies us, that gives us a reason to live. It's got to fuel our passion. And, and I, I want to just, just maybe, maybe jog you a little bit here. If you get more excited about anything else, a sports team, uh, 
new clothing, a new car. I mean, stuff that's worth getting excited about. If you get more excited about that than Jesus, and your passion for Jesus has gotten tamped down, pressed back, and is not the main reason you live, then you're missing the fullness and the depth of a relationship with Christ that is greater than anything this world has to offer. This is what's going to have to connect us as a church. One more thought. Let me kind of wrap it up with real quick thought number three. Our salvation through Jesus Christ compels us. It compels us to passionately follow him. In a world filled with uncertainty, you know, what's coming, I, I, I don't mind sharing this with you. I, you. You all maybe met him once or twice, but our youngest child of three children is is a young man, 35 years old, named David. And David uh, works for the federal government. Uh, David has been furloughed because of the government shutdown. And I've never been prouder of him, the way he's handled this and is leading his family by saying it's my job to, to keep everybody encouraged. He's gone out and started working for Uber because he has owned this idea that that... Christ is leading him and he is passionate about leading his family not to fall into despair or discouragement and he knows it's not his job to settle the politics of it. He knows what his job is. But I'm, I'm sharing this with you for, for this reason. This, this idea of following him is a follow him in good times and bad thing. It's not, a lot of people I know it sounds crazy but Things are going well and they stop following him. Things go bad, okay, Jesus, you're my safety net here. But following him, our salvation through Jesus Christ compels us to passionately follow him in good times and, and in bad. Let's look at this next passage from Romans chapter 10. If, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is absolute certainty because the world is filled with so many uncertain conditions. I asked my son, I said, one day, when are you going back to work? I, I don't know. He called me the next day and said, I've been called back. How long are you going to be there? I don't know. When are you going to get paid? I don't know. In other words, you're going to work now but not getting paid. Yeah. And, and so would you agree with me that's a little bit of uncertainty? And we're not here to, to discuss the, the politics of it all. I just wish a big bunch of babies would all grow up and figure out a way to be civil to each other and come to some kind of a compromise. But at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I can promise you with absolute certainty that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you will confess him with your mouth, you will be saved. That's the foundation of Connect Church, this absolute certainty. Uh, the next verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. That's why this third point has to do with the, the way I believe we should be compelled to passionately follow Jesus Christ. There's so much excited about, be excited about, when it comes to following Christ. There's so much to be excited about to be a part of a church community that is following Christ. You guys have a chance to be a part of something. Maybe 80 years from now, 
Somebody, we're doing your funeral. They, they were a charter member of Connect Church. Thousands of people over the last 80 years have been born again and come to Christ. Missionaries have been sent out. Your, your life will have had purpose. And, and your life will have left so much behind that will outlive you. Because when it really comes down to it, we are not connected to a building. We're connected to Christ. When it really comes down to it, we're not connected to a denomination. It's not what you call yourself. It's we're to be connected to Christ. And we've been called to continue to follow him. When it comes down to it, we're not connected to any culture or, or political party. We are connected to Christ. So just putting Christ's community purpose in the sign is not going to get it done. What, what will get it done is if we, who are the body, the community of believers that make up Connect Church, if we buy into the idea that we are passionately serving Christ, and so that's my question today. Are you a passionate follower of Jesus Christ? Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.